We're talking about hope. And again, I've spoken it once. Pastor Stephen spoke on it, you know, and we'll, we'll have a few more times, I'm sure. This is our Christmas series, I, I believe, you know, and what better time of year to talk about hope. What this time of year, it seems that the devil and his cohorts are working overtime to squash hope in people. You know, everybody walks around and, and, and thinks everyone else has what they call the quote-unquote Christmas spirit. And, and everybody is fighting their own battle, folks. You know? Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about God hope. We're going to talk about something that God gives us to break and shatter the, the, the demonic holds that try to grip our minds and, and stifle us and keep us from being who God really created us to be. The truth is that, that, that if you're a new creature in Christ, and all that means is that you've said yes to Jesus and said, come into your, to your life, you know, I want, I want to be in your family, Lord. Come into my life. However you said it, I'm telling you what, you're a person of hope. No matter what's going on around in your world, I'm telling you, you have this hope within you that I'm telling you, I remember just as a new baby in Christ, you know, just, just barely said the words to ask Jesus in my heart. Something in me said there's more to life than what I'm experiencing right now. It, something told me that, that heaven was real. Something told me that God was real. Something told me that, that man, there's something out there. there I tell you, eternity is going to be great. You know what I think about end times? I think when the end times are done, I'm going to be standing with Jesus. That's my, that's my theology right there. Okay? When it's all said and done, I'm going to be standing with Jesus. What else matters? I'll tell you what, that should give you hope. Because you can be standing there with him too. I believe you will. All right. This isn't in my message, just, just rambling, okay? Uh, got my media crew on, on charge here. All right. Romans 15, 13. This is kind of our key scripture in this series. And it, it says this uh, in the New King James. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I read that, you know, like I did just now, it's my prayer. You know, I don't know, you know, it's kind of, Paul probably was praying it, you know, but, but it is our prayer. That's what we're praying for all of us here at Love Church, that, that the God of hope would fill us, fill us. I like that. He's called the God of hope. I'm glad he's not called the God of doubt or, you know, the God of, of, of discouragement. No, he's the God of hope. Fill you with joy and peace in believing. That's supernatural, guys. That's supernatural. You know, I've read, you know, I've gone online, and, and uh, it's come to that. I've Googled things like this, you know. But, like, I Googled hope, you know, and, and, and uh, some of the definitions, you know, basically amounted to a strong wish. But I want to make it really clear to you guys. What we're talking about here at Love Church, when we're talking about hope, it goes way beyond a strong wish. What we're really boil I, I'll give you my definition. Hope is, is when God breathes a dream into your heart. Okay? It's when God just goes, bam. 
and, and, and maybe you don't even have a full clarity on it. Like, wow, I don't know. Something's on the inside. I, I was listening to Dana, you know. She was trying to explain a revelation. <laughs> have you ever tried to explain a revelation that God gives you? Because it's like the spiritual thing that, that God gives you. It's like what I'm talking about, it could be as simple as this. When I got born again, I, I think everyone can relate to this. When I got born again and I read my Bible the first time being saved, you know, it was just like, whoa, I feel like, I feel like there's a connection on the inside of me with someone greater than me, you know, I, mean, you could, I could say it like that, you know, that's what I'm talking about, Dana had this revelation, she was trying to share it, and, and, and I kind of knew what she was talking about, but it's like, wow, it's hard to even put a dream, so maybe your dream, the dream God gives you, it's, it's on the inside, it's percolating, you know, you know, it's, it's like I make caramels every year for Christmas, you know, to hand out to the neighbors or whatever. And, and I, I've gotten to where I don't even like caramels that much personally. It's probably a blessing, you know, because I remember one time some people in our church in Minneapolis, I gave them the recipe and, and they came back to me a month later and they're upset with me because they, they all gained five pounds in their house. <laughs> and I have to make myself like try one to see, okay, is it good texture or whatever? But it's like when I'm making caramels, you know, I throw it all into the bowl. And it takes, it takes a good hour to make the batch. And then it takes another half hour to cut them up. But, uh, but, you know, man, it looks like a mess. It looks like an absolute mess when I see it in there. And sometimes I'll take a video of it and send it to, to Casey because she knows what I'm doing, you know. And she, she gets excited about that, my daughter. And, and, and uh, so I'm stirring this. It doesn't even look like anything's happening. But I tell you what, I know the end result. Okay? Right now, you might be at the stage where, man, all the butter's sitting in a chunk and the brown sugar's hanging on you. Looks like goobers or something, you know? But I'm telling you, you keep it on the heat. Keep it on the heat. Keep stirring that stuff up, you know? Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's in you. You know, sometimes you got to stir up what God has given you on the inside. Sometimes you can't just let it sit there in the pan. You got to get it on the heat and start stirring that stuff till it turns into the finished product that you desire. So I guess I'm saying this, that, that sometimes hope can be messy. All right? Do you hear me? Sometimes hope can be messy. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Anyway, so hope, yeah. It's more than what we wish for. It's, 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 it's more. Can you say more? more? There's always more with hope. Dana used to have a, a jacket she'd wear that said, there's more. And, and you know what? I like that thought. There is more. There's more. There's more to life than what you're experiencing right now. There's more to God than what we've even tasted. There's more. There's more. Let me... Um, Read this verse that we just read in the Passion Translation. It's probably my favorite. It says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Radiate with hope radiate with hope. That's what we want to do. We want to radiate. You know, the only way you and I are going to radiate with hope is, is kind of what I said, stay on the fire. Let me say it this way, staying connected to him. He's the source of hope. 
He's the source of hope. You know, you get, you get off the fire, and I'm telling you what, you can kind of gel into a, uh, you know, uh, something that doesn't look like what you expected the end result to be. But just stay connected to him. That's where the hope comes from. That's how you radiate with hope. You see, it's a spiritual force. In the Bible, it's called a helmet. It's called an anchor. And all of it is to keep you protected till the day that the dream comes into manifestation. Okay? All right. Um, most of you guys know this, that I, I used to work for, for Billy Graham. He, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, I know there's people who don't. He, he went to heaven a, a, a while back. But he uh, was a man that was mightily used by God, very humble man. Uh, he, he argued with the board not to even have his name on, on the uh, association building. And when he finally lost that battle, what he did is he put it on the back side of the building in pretty small print. <laughs> you know, that's what he did. Uh, but but he, was, he was known because he would have these crusades that would usually go, you know, several days. And usually, what he would usually do is, you know, if it was in America, he'd pick a city, you know, pray prayerfully pick a city. And, and, and then what would happen is there'd be teams of people. I mean, I'm talking hundreds. They would actually move to that city. And, and these people, you know, they're, they're called the team. And they would go in and they would uh, they'd work with local churches. They would uh, secure the, the proper facilities, and, and they would eventually they'd start having press meetings. And, and, and there, was, there was a lot that went into a crusade. And, and like I said, they'd usually get planned a couple years out. There'd always be one in the works, but the, the next one was probably a couple years out because of all that would have to go on. And, and uh, there'd be criticism that would happen in the midst of all, you know, and, and, and uh, sometimes, sometimes things would happen that weren't, couldn't, you know, we didn't expect, but there was, there, was, there was obstacles that had to be, you know, gone over and, and, and conquered. And, and, and you see, because all of this was going on because of one thing, and that was a hope of something called a decision. Okay, what kind of a decision are you talking about here? Well, what, what, what Billy would do is, is he, would, he would get up. The minute he'd get up to the pulpit, he had this massive pulpit. It would take about four of us to lift it onto a stage. It weighed so much. It was hydraulic, so whoever was speaking, they could make it the right height, you know? It was bulletproof. So there you go. I'll tell you, there's one of the obstacles sometimes you had to fight. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and the minute he'd step behind that pulpit... He had one purpose, and that was that every person in there would be brought to a place where they could make a decision for Christ. You'd hear it. If you go back and listen to some of the messages, you think he's telling a joke. He's opening hearts. You know, you think he's, he's, he's going off on some bunch of scriptures. What do they have to do? He's, he's talking to people to try to get them to come forward. And, and inevitably, at, at these conferences, just masses of people would come forward and make a decision first. I, I, even to this day, I hear people, you know, giving their testimonies, and they'll say, yeah, I was at a Billy Graham crusade, 
and, and I made a decision for Christ. Or I, I heard one famous preacher say, yeah, I was actually in the bathroom, and I forgot to shut the TV off, and he was preaching, and I got saved in the bathroom. It was hard to contain. But you see, everything was endured. Every challenge was come up against and overcome, all because of something called hope. There was a hope that at the end of this whole thing, there'd be opportunities for people to have their lives changed. Hope. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope can take us places that we couldn't go otherwise. Hope will open doors that only swing one way, maybe, and, and, uh, and only hope can open them. All right. Let me read this one, 1 Timothy 6.12. It says this, Paul's talking here to Timothy, I guess, and people like you and me. And, and he says this, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, what I'm talking about this morning in this message on hope is that there's a fight to this whole thing. And if you don't know there's a fight to this whole thing, you're going to get squashed at the starting gate, okay? If you don't know there's a fight to this thing, you're going to think you're going to be like the person driving their car on a windy day and you're doing everything you can to keep your car on, on the road, okay? You guys, we've all been there, right? You know, you're just fighting with that steering wheel to keep your car going the right way, you know? If you're on the freeway, you're going fast, and you're still fighting to keep it going the right way. But you look at every other car around you, and it doesn't look like they have a fight. It looks like they're just going smooth, like a hot knife through butter, just cruising down the road. But if you were inside that car, you'd realize they're fighting the same fight you're fighting, Okay, if you got inside another person's head, you'd realize that they're fighting the same kind of fight you're fighting. Because there is a fight to faith. And in the Bible, I like that it says this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. I'm glad he called it a good fight of faith. It's the only fight we're, we're called to fight, is the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith is this, that if you'll hold on and, 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 and go to the full course, you're going to end up in the place that God had birthed on the inside of you back when he spoke hope to you. Are you out there this morning? So, I mean, this is really simple. I don't even know we'll go that long today. But I just want to share about this, this journey that starts with hope. It starts with hope. I said this the first week. I preached on this. Pastor Stephen alluded to it the next, that, that from the time you pray, the time you stand and pray, and the time that you actually have the thing you're praying, there's a space in between. And that's the part that gets overlooked sometimes. And, you know, I'll tell a testimony. I'm guilty of this. I get up sometimes and I tell a testimony of what God did. Maybe it was a healing. Maybe it was a financial victory. And it sounds like all I did is say, Lord, in Jesus' name. And then, boom, everything happened. But the thing is, is that from the time you pray to the time you receive, I'll tell you every time, there's this space in between. Whether it's five seconds, 
five minutes, five days, five years, five decades. Should we go further? Than, anyway, we're in heaven by then. Anyway, much more, uh, you know. But, but whatever it is, I'm telling you, there's a space in between where there's what I'd call warfare that goes on. And, and frankly, what, what happens, one of the big keys is, is the devil comes, okay? Demonic forces come, and what they're coming to do is take the hope out of your heart. See, if he can get the hope out of your heart, the battle's over. There's nothing to stand up for anymore. You just want to lay down and quit. But you see, hope keeps you going. Hope is such a strong component of the faith journey that faith can't exist without it. All right. Uh, let me read Psalm 42, 11. This is Psalm of David, and, and I like the way he worded it. I know Dane and I were reading it in our nightly devotions some time back, and I said, wow. This is good. We've just started in our nightly devotions. We've started just tackling books. I mean, I guess we've read the whole Bible at some point, but uh, we're just taking books and reading them in the Passion Translation. Oh, it's so fun. We were reading Romans 16 last night, and there's, I'm, I'm reading along, and Dana's like, stop, stop right there. Text me that verse, you know. Well, that's a, that's a bomb. I need that, you know. Because it just has such a new life, you know. I love it. It's so good. So here it is, the Passion Translation of Psalm 42.11. David says, I say to my soul. Do you ever talk to your soul? <laughs> good. That's a healthy thing. Talk to your soul. You know, your soul needs to be brought in line. What am I talking about? Your soul? I'm talking about, you know, just simply put, your mind, will, and emotions, okay? Your mind, will, and emotions. You see, your soul is a part of you that when you got born again, when I got born again, you got born again, our spirit, man, you know, man, he was jumping up and down and saying, yoo-hoo, yippee, he's new. But your soul doesn't get recreated when you get born again. The Apostle Paul talks about it numerous times, and it's, there's a process we're going through of renewing this, this thing up here. Of getting us, you know, to, to our, our heads to start thinking like our hearts. You see, your heart is smart, okay? And your head's probably smart too, and that's a good thing. But it's bringing the two together so that they think the same, that there's real power. So David was having a little lesson. You know, I look at it like, like, like as a parent might take a child to, to, you know, the bedroom to have a chat. You know what I'm talking about, you know? Said, hey, listen, you know what? There's some behavior going on here that, that isn't appropriate, and we need to get in line. That's the, parents do that kind of thing. Take them to a private place and talk to them. So David's saying, I'm, I'm saying to my soul, listen, soul, don't you be discouraged. Don't allow yourself to be. Don't be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reason to praise him all over again. I like it, he said, all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. Uh, you see, your soul can have great opportunity 
to be discouraged as you walk through this life. And, you know, David, David's such a champion, such a, you know, he's called the, a man after God's heart. Don't you just want to find out what he did that made God say he's a, he's a man after my, because David wasn't perfect. You don't have to read too far in his story to find out that he, he made some big mistakes. So that gives me peace to say, hey, I've done stupid things before, but I'm not out of the race. Okay? I haven't lived everything perfect. I wish, you know, don't you wish sometimes you just had a redo? You know? Redo, yeah! But, but, but you know, you can redo from the very moment that you're living right now and say, all right, I'm stepping into a new place. I'm stepping into a walk with God. Soul, soul, I'm telling you right now, listen, you're going down a wrong path. Don't be discouraged. I'm telling you right now, God is faithful. And just like we rejoice right now, we're going to rejoice at the end of this thing all over again as we see the faithfulness of God. Part of the revy that Dana was trying to discuss, uh, that I heard her discussing this revelation, you know, was, was the fact that, that we, we can, this is just a smidget of it, but basically wherever we're at in our journey of faith and hope, that, that we should take the opportunity to praise and worship God before we see the end result. And, and actually, she was seeing as she was looking at it as, as great opportunity. Because, thank God, don't we we're all like, like to get to this side of the whole thing where our prayers have been answered and we can do a jig, jump up and down, yeah, you know, all that, you know. But right here is this great opportunity to do all that stuff that you're going to do when you get it, but do it right now when you don't have any other evidence except God's word. All right, ushers, hold this girl back in the front row. Ho, ho, ho. No. <laughs> we heard a, a, a preacher recently, I don't know, the last couple months or whatever, who, who was just expressing that the lowest time in his life that he could recall was when his father passed away. And, and it was more than just his dad. It was just like, it was his dream was shattered of standing with his dad and ministry and all this stuff. And at this low point in life, he said, I got before God and I said, there's no better time to worship you. I'll never have this opportunity again. To worship you in a low place when I'm not feeling it. Because anybody can jump a pew when they've got the buzz. Okay? But it's when, when, it's when you're down in the, you know, the dumps, down in the mully grubs, and down in your feelings and emotions are not where you'd want them to be. I'll tell you, that's prime opportunity to worship God. All right. So you guys, you've, you've heard me tell this story before. But sometimes I might skip over points that I think I, I, I've it would be error to do sometimes. You know, somebody asked me this a week or so ago. 
And so that's what got my head thinking. They said, how'd you start the church here in Menominee? How'd you happen to come to Menominee? And you guys have probably heard me tell this thing, whatever, a bunch of times. You know, and I gave them a nutshell of it and just said, oh, you know, we're just doing this and we prayed and God said go here. Kind of we felt the best of our ability. That's what God was telling us to do. But, but you know, so much more goes on than, again, the praying and the receiving. And, yay, the answer was there. Praise the Lord. That was me rejoicing kind of like that, you know. Yeah, all right. But basically, you know, Dane and I were associate pastors in a church in Minneapolis. And at the time when God spoke to me, we'd been there eight years. And uh, the time we left, we'd been there 12 years. But when, when God spoke to me, it was on a Sunday morning in, in the first service. We had two services just like we do here. And I was sitting in the front row, minding my own business, sitting, sitting, not even standing, just sitting in the front row. And God came on me in such a strong way that, that I, I, I was my, you know, you, you know, your head can do such carnal things even when God's sitting on you in a strong way. In my head, all I could think was, please, God, don't, don't anybody call on me to say anything right now because I don't even know if I know my name. You know, that's how I felt. I was just like overpowered by God's presence. And, and it probably only lasted a couple minutes, you know. I don't know, maybe not even that. I don't know. Time is really funny. But, but when it was all said and done and, I, 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 he, you know, that power lifted off me, I sat in my, my seat with this hope, this word on the inside that we were going to leave where we were and we were going to start a church somewhere else and we were going to pastor it. You know, in a nutshell, that's what God said to me. And part of that was a hope. You know, it was a hope. But then all of a sudden, reality began to come in on my head and go, no, no, I don't even want to go. I want to stay where we are. That's what I said on the inside. I said, I don't want to. I, in fact, I, didn't, I tell, didn't tell a living person. Well, I guess God. But I mean, I didn't tell a human being for an entire year. And then I finally broke the silence barrier, and I told Dana, and she had the same reaction I had. She said, no. But, you know, the very beginning of, of the whole thing was this thing that God put in me. And sometimes the things God speaks to you, you know, you might rebel against them in a certain sense because you just, you can't imagine that, that it can be as good as God is. We try to weigh it in such a, in our own perspective. We try to weigh it against the circumstances of the time. And, and I was just frankly rather relieved when Dana had the same reaction I did because I went back to God and I said, hey, there you go. I'm off the hook. <laughs> I said, I don't know everything, but I know that you're not in the business of dividing up a marriage. You're not in the business of me going off and doing one thing and Dana doing something totally different in another city. That, wouldn't, that is not you, okay? That, that was my reasoning, okay? Is that right? Who knows? But that's what I told him. I said, so I am off the hook. And frankly, I breathed easy for several days. <laughs> but it kept coming up to me. And so I told Dana probably a month later, I driving into work because we both worked at the church. I said, Dana, I said, do you know that thing? And that's all I said. I didn't need to give her any explanation. She knew what the thing was. And she immediately said, yeah, I know that thing. And I said to her, I said, Dana, when we do that, I said, 
God isn't going to ask us to do anything except be ourselves. And somehow that was a freedom. And she goes, okay, we can do that. So you know what? We still didn't tell people. I think we told your parents. And that was about as far out as we'd go. And, and uh, whether that's right or wrong, that's what we did. But I'll tell you what. Once you start telling people, there's a whole other battle you've got to fight. Once that cat's out of the bag, you can't get him back in. <laughs> and and uh, when we finally, we sat on that for a number of years yet, because frankly, it wasn't in rebellion, but frankly, it was just that we didn't sense the time was right. And what I noticed in that few years is slowly my heart began to detach. It began to detach from not from the people that we were with, but from the ministry where we were. And it was, it was some of the hardest couple years that I can really remember. Um, when we finally did come out and say, hey, that's what God's put in our heart. You know, you think when you're sharing a dream from God, this is the fallacy that we can have. We think, well, I'm coming out, I'm telling people where I'm at, what God said. You know, wouldn't your natural mind think that everything would fall into place just like, like magic? Honestly, when we shared what was in our heart, it was like all hell broke loose. If it was hard before, it got even more intense. Almost like magic, I hate to use that word, I'll say almost like a miracle. How's that? Is that better? Is that more Christianese? Okay. Okay. But we found ourselves without a job, without a church, and not really any clear direction within a matter of weeks. It was amazing. And, and we said, oh, this is what it's like to follow God. <laughs> Beware of the dream in your heart. <laughs> All right? Beware. See, I, I'm telling you this because people have the wrong idea. They get something from heaven, and, and then they, they get out here a step, and, and everything is going crazy, and they doubt that they ever heard heaven. So, you know, a lot of this I've told you, but, but you know, we, uh, I called Rama because that's where I'm ordained, and that's the school that I graduated from. And, I, you know, part of the ministerial association have access to churches around probably the world, but I was more concerned, uh, you know, focusing on America, uh, that, that need pastors. And, and, and Doug Jones sent me a list of, goodness, page after page of churches in America that needed pastors. And we prayed over each one. I, I, I can tell you the names of some of the churches we looked at. There was one. This would not be on a t-shirt. The hungry, how did that go again, Dana? The hungry, uh, uh, hungry heart mountain movers from something or other town. Anyway, it was like, <laughs> anyway, wow. You know, but, but, but I, 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 I filled out a, I made a resume. I hadn't made a resume in forever. I made out a resume and I, I got together a, a tape that I thought was pretty, 
pretty good, you know, and, and, and I thought, wow, people will line up to have us be the pastor if they hear this and see that. That's what I thought. And, and honestly, as I sent those things out in the mail, it was like my heart dropped right then. And it was like that experience, which I've never really experienced, but I can imagine it. It was like taking a bath with your socks on. You're, you're saying the whole time, you're saying something is not right about this, you know? And, and of all these churches, there was one in, it was actually in Chippewa Falls. Chippewa Falls, that it was a church that, that really, from all the outward appearance, seemed to fit our criteria. One is they had a church. <laughs> and, 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 and so we drove there. And, and, uh, and we, uh, we, got, we, we got to the parking lot. Nobody was there. You know, we didn't tell anybody we were coming. In fact, I didn't want to tell anybody. I just wanted to be there because I know things when I'm there. And so we pulled into the parking lot. And sometimes you don't want to know the things that you know when you're there. And as we pulled in, Dana was so oppressed that she couldn't get out of the car. And I made a valiant effort to get out and peer through the windows of the church. I think the kids came with me, and we ran around the building once. And I got back in the car, and, and, and honestly, it was just like my heart had sunk because we'd cut all ties. We were off on our own. We had nothing. And, and there we were at something that I had a hope in. I thought that was the fulfillment of my hope. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're on this journey, you can grab onto the wrong thing and think that's your hope. Yeah. And, and honestly, he pretty much had to scrape us up off the floor. This is what a faith journey looks like, folks. Did you hear me? This is why so many people quit right here when they get this little dream in their heart, of, a big dream in their heart. Maybe they've made it a little. Maybe I made it a little. But it's a big dream. And, 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 and then they get this attack unleashed on them. And, and then all of a sudden, they run from it, and they run from God, or they run from, you know, the truth, and, and, and they think, oh, this stuff doesn't work. I'm telling you, you got to hang on. you got to hold on. Are you out there this morning? Paul, or somebody said in Hebrews, he said, hold fast to your confession of hope. That's what the New King James says. Hold fast to your confession of hope. You know, I said, you know, when you let a cat out of the bag... I had to be braced because in the, the six months or so from April to October, before we ever started, you know, the church, which we started October 1st of 2000, but in, in April of that year, we were on our own freewheeling, and we decided we'd go into all these churches in Minneapolis that we'd heard about but we'd never gone to because when you're a pastor, believe it or not, it's hard to go check out another church. And, and there was not one church we went into in Minneapolis that people didn't come up and talk to us and they, they knew us. They'd either come to our church in the past or they, some, they knew who we were. Not one. One time we walked into a church. It was in the northern suburbs of Minneapolis. And the worship leader stopped right in the middle of the song. And in the mic said, is that Paul and Dana? <laughs> that'll get the crowd going <laughs> so you know you walk in and, and, and everywhere you go you're seeing people that know you and they know you shouldn't be where that you are right now and why are you here right now and they come to you and they expect that you have the full explanation 
you know? Who, who, wow, what's God, God putting you? Where, where? That was the big one. Where are you going to go? And it was like the devil talking in my ear. God, good people. But that was the, how it came to me. I remember we went to a family reunion. And I don't go to too many family reunions. I've gone to probably more of Dana's side and because we just haven't had them recently in our, my side of the family. But the last family reunion that I went to, you know, I love these people. And you don't, you don't see them, but maybe every five years or so, if that, maybe now it's more like 20. But, but, but I remember going to this thing and, and we were in that transitional time where we didn't have a church, we didn't have a job, we didn't have a place. And all we had at that point was we knew we were going to, at least we knew we were going to Menominee at that point. But my goodness, it was so hard to get out there and tell people what we were doing because there was no evidence except the evidence that God had said to us. And we had to encourage our souls the whole time that this was real. This is what God said. And, and, and everybody else is looking at you like, these guys are crazy. I knew it all along. They flipped. <laughs> Psalm 43, 5, I'm going to read you this one. You're going to think I'm repeating myself, but you know what? It, this is what stood out. Let me read it again. It says, Then I say to my soul, David talking, Don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. That is like an exact duplicate of the previous chapter, previous verse that we read. And what it tells me is this. You can't get by talking to your soul one time. Because each day the bat, each day you get up, man, there's a new battle to fight. And boy, do I sound like I'm doom and gloom and I'm trying not to. Ultimately, I'm saying the same thing David says. At the end of this whole thing, we rejoice. At the end of this whole thing, we say he is faithful. As I stand here today, I look out at you guys. You, you guys are part of the fulfillment of the hope that, Dan, that God put in Dan and I at the very beginning. Okay, you're part of it. You know what? We haven't even seen all that God showed us, though. I'm telling you what. We have hope that goes beyond where we are today. We have hope for, my goodness, a church that's making such impact in this, in this part of the world that people are coming to this place from everywhere. And in some ways, they are. They're online. We have hope, man, that the Holy Ghost is such a strong presence here that people's lives are changed just walking in the building. And I know that happens to a degree, but not to the degree I'm seeing it. We have hope that people get healed just sitting in their seats, minding their own business, and God sits on them and changes their life, heals their bodies. We're not just living in today. We're, we're seeing beyond. We, the first time we, we came to... Well, we drove through Menominee after, you know, we knew that Menominee was where we were supposed to go. And you guys know that story. We were so discouraged when we'd gone to that Chippewa Falls church. We spent the night in Eau Claire, tried to make it fun for the kids. The next day was Easter. And, and we had a church service in the hotel room. That I guarantee you, I'm glad every one of you can be glad you weren't in it. Because it was the driest, dullest church service I've ever experienced in my life. And we said, here's a taste of what's to come. <laughs> Easter, we drove through McDonald's, got our lunch, and said, yippee, we're on our way. <laughs> I still see that McDonald's every now and then, and I think, my goodness, I'm not going there. Anyway, <laughs> we're driving down the road, 
and I'm trying to keep on a face, you know, trying to be the man of the household, whatever, the, the fearless pastor. And, and, and Dana says to me these words. She says, you know, I don't know if this means anything. And fellas, if your wife ever says that, that means put your antenna up because it means something for sure. And she says, I don't know if this means anything, but for the last two years when I pray in tongues, you know, which we do every day, but she says, for the last two years when I get over in the spirit, she says, I hear myself say this word, menominee. And I believe I looked at Dana and I said, anybody could say that when they're praying in tongues. <laughs> Most salespeople on the phone stumble across it. I could easily lead them in the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. I'm just kidding, okay? Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's my Christianese humor. But anyway, <laughs> but I did, I did look at her and I said, you know, I think it's a town and let's drive through it. It's on the way back. Honestly, I don't think I'd ever been here in my life. Dana thinks she was here once for, she was a cheerleader in high school. She thinks she came here for a basketball game or something like that. But we drove through from exit 45 to exit 41. Saw Culver's. I'd never seen a Culver's in my life before. I said, oh, that looks pretty cool. And I and, and, uh, got through it and, and uh, checked the phone book. I didn't see any other churches. They actually had a phone book at per Perkins. I looked through the yellow pages at all the churches, and I saw, well, there's none that are quite like us. You know, there's some that may be close, but not quite like us. I actually called up uh, my, my fearless leader from Rama, Doug Jones. I said, Doug, thinking about starting a church in Menominee, is there anybody, you know, trying to do the same thing I am? Or are we, uh, you know, fighting against? I don't want to come and start a church as somebody that was just like us and have it be some competition in the beginning. That was just my thinking, okay? And, and, and then the same thinking, I wasn't going to start a church next door to the church we came from either. Get all you people to come. In fact, in a, a large way, that's why we didn't want to even go to that church anymore. Is because we didn't want to pull people along from that church. And even not doing that, we still had some people, which we were glad to have. But in fact, when they did, I called Doug Jones up again and said, what do I do? This family wants to come with us and start a church. And he, Doug said, did you ask them to come? I said, no. They told me that God told them. He says, well, quit arguing with God. So I'm telling you that there's a fight to hold on to the hope that God puts in your heart. And you can't just let go because times get tough. You can't just let go because opposition has come against you. And you're thinking, this isn't what I thought it was like to walk in the power and grace of God. I tell you, that's what it's like, though. I heard people say things like this just out of the blue. You know, if you're going to start a church, you need $100,000 in the bank before you even think about it. I heard that. Didn't have $5 in the bank. Didn't even have a bank account yet. You know, I heard people say this in my earshot. People that, you know, should, we should all respect or whatever. If you're going to start a church, you should, you should be under 40 years old because it's not for anybody over 40. I'm 42 when it happens. Dana's 37. I mean, that's the kind of discouragement that the devil will throw your way. <laughs> anyway, what I am telling you, I can tell you this story because we've, we've lived through it. I can tell you this story because even though, thing, I'm not trying to sing a, a sad song, I'm trying to sing a real song. I'm trying to tell you what it's really like. Let me just give you a scripture. We're going we're gonna to come to an end. We did start the church in October. We put up an ad in the paper. 
we had, uh, what do we have, 19 people, I think, that were committed to come. Actually, the first service we had, we had 70 people show up. Next week, we were down to 40. Nine, nine adults and 11 children that committed to come with us and start this church. And, and, uh, and I tell you, we're here every, every week. We, we came one Sunday when it was actually it was absolutely ice roads. And we got up at 4 in the morning, got our kids in the car, and we got here, and, and they wouldn't even open the building we were in, meeting in, because they thought it was nuts that nobody would come. But yet everybody from Minnesota, which was our whole church at the time, we all were there. So you know what we did? We went over to Culver's, that newfangled restaurant they had here in Menominee. <laughs> and uh, we had to wait for them to open. I think they opened at 10. And we went in, and we, 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 I didn't get up and preach on a table or nothing. But we did, we did go, all go out to Culver's that day. And without me even taking, passing an offering plate, somebody, you know, people grabbed me before we left. So we wanted to give today. And I thought, oh, cool, thank you, you know. That's so good. We need your offerings. We need your support. I went home, and, and it was the largest offering to date that we'd even had. Was, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought I was reading things wrong when I was putting it together. And, and, and uh, Dana, look at this. I can tell you this, God's faithful. But you've got to keep your heart tuned into him. You've got to stay connected with him, or your hopes will be dashed. You know, it's like the scripture Pastor Stephen shared last week. Uh, I can't, I don't know if I can quote, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, when you had a hope from God and, it, it, and you don't see it fulfilled, it makes your heart sick. Hang on to hope. Hang on to him with everything you've got. Let me read, I'm just going to read this version. It's the Jordan translation of Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is turning the turning of dreams into deeds. It's betting your life on unseen realities. That's what faith is. It's turning dreams into deeds. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's walking out, hanging on to that dream that God's given you, whatever it is, how impossible it might seem to come to pass. I'm telling you what, hold on to him because he's faithful. Do the dance in the middle and do the dance at the end. And be wild, pull the shades, whatever you need to do. Let it rip. All right. Uh, we got questions here. We'll give you these questions to consider this week. Have I been looking at faith and hope with an unrealistic viewpoint? Hey, I have. I've done that before. You know, we're growing, aren't we? Is there hope that I've abandoned because I thought if it was really God, I'd not have these kind of things opposing me? I mean, it's easy to do. Three is, am I allowing an unhealthy battle in my soul to dictate my outcome in this journey? There's no shame in having a battle in your soul, even if it's unhealthy, okay? There's no shame in that, but don't let it control you, okay? Pull, pull your soul aside and say, listen, soul, we're going to have a talking to you right now. The way you've been, been thinking, you know, I get it. I get it. I understand. But we're not thinking that way anymore. Here's some new thoughts. We're going to go with these. All right? 
Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.